2: So this is normally part of the show where I introduce who I'm going to be speaking with and then we cut to my conversation with that person. So things are a little different today because Offscript Health is introducing a brand new podcast to our network called Before We Die. So on the episode, we're going to play a couple of clips from the show. We hope you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts, but we're going to get you a little angry for the right reasons. And you'll find out why during our chat. Joining me on the show today are the lead producers of Before We Die, Ariel Nachman and Joey Brenneman. Joey's also one of the hosts of the show. So they're both here to give you a pre-show of the show on my show. My head hurts. Welcome, Joey.
0: Thanks, Matt. We're really excited to be launching this uh, podcast called Before We Die, and it is following the stories of the brave, audacious, and stubbornly persistent, problem-solving gizmologists from the med tech world. And I'll be your host. I'm kind of the, the ears of the listener, but I'm joined by a panel of experts, uh, Sandra Miller, who is the co-founder of the Stanford Biodesign Program. She is also a startup advisor and just has a wealth of information from this world. Also, John McMahon, who is a biodesigner and was one of the original fellows from the beginning, from when the program began at Stanford. And Craig Allman, who is a senior executive who focuses on tech startups and also a startup advisor.
2: So low standards <laughs> here at Oscar Health. <laughs> Anyway, we're just really excited for the show. Again, a kind of different intro to the intro to the show, but that's it. Let's get started. You're going to love the episode, and we hope you subscribe to Before We Die, wherever you get your podcasts, or at Radio Shack in 1988. Let's get started. I think of MedTech, and I think of like... um I think of that movie, like, Get Out, where they take your brain out and, like, move all these machines in there and move the brain over.
0: Some people are doing that. That's what we found out. Oh, really? At least you're thinking about something. When I first heard about MedTech, I had no idea what we were talking about, I have to say.
2: Well, for the listeners, we're launching a new show here on the Out of Podcast Network called...
0: Before We Die.
2: Before We Die. It sounds macabre, but trust us, it gets better. Exactly. And it is a show about med tech, which, again, sexy med tech or drunk med tech. <laughs> but it's not as nerdy geeky as you think because all. it's kind of sci-fi. It's kind of Star Trek. Not really Star Wars. That's kind of more like, like space opera crap. Star Trek's probably more accurate.
0: Probably.
3: Right.
2: But what you guys have uncovered in producing this show and getting this off the ground has been extraordinary.
3: It's been a call to action. We've decided mm-hmm. our title is, you know, we got have to get these devices, this technology to patients before we die. So there's this urgency to it, which comes with our multiple hosts, multiple producers, (laughs) everyone kind of coming in and and speaking their minds and their opinions. So why are we doing a show on MedTech?
0: Well, there's this whole world of innovation happening and it's happening at a very fast rate and the healthcare system has not really caught up with it. And so it kept being my question to our team, our panel of experts and our hosts, like, what is medtech? So let's start there because John McMahon, who is one of our panel of experts, he has he just kind of sets things up very succinctly. So there's a great clip from him where he talks about what is medtech that helps us get to this question of why are we doing a show about medtech. Cut to clip. What is medtech?
4: When you look at healthcare, you see such a gap in innovation and technology that people have to take care of themselves. And one thing that that's really nice about MedTech is it's normally a champion. Someone or a small group of people go after a problem. And how they do it, how they pull it off is is a big opportunity for us to share with the off-script audience.
0: So this is John. He's got John. a good voice. <laughs> he has a great voice. And John McMahon is a bio-designer, which again is one of those phrases that I feel like you go, okay, bio designer, he's a bio designer. But then I was kind of like, what What exactly do you do? So he comes from that world of being a gizmologist, somebody who goes in with doctors and they say, we need something that helps us do this, but they can't make it happen. So John's the guy who kind of watches them, goes into the procedure of the surgery and then says, okay, let me leave for a little while and play with all my toys and gadgets and build something to make their job easier
2: mythbusters of medicine <laughs> yeah. that should have been, the, well, we would be sued but that that's would be the, we could have done that, and John and that would be good, yeah. like i need to invent a gadget here's the gadget
0: yeah and so sometimes he brings very funny gadgets to our uh, to our recordings which is kind of like what are you working on now and he's traveling all around and making you know making their wishes come true he gets invited to this dance and then he makes their wishes come true in usually a less evasive way a something that's more efficient something that's cheaper you know he's really working for the good of the patient and like he says there are these champions like okay, we're going to go, we're going to be the champions for a cause. So he's one of our hosts.
2: Yeah. But but wait, there's more. There are so (laughs) many more.
0: Um, And then we have Sandra Miller, who is a startup advisor, because all of these companies, all of these devices are new technologies, and therefore new companies, who- need someone to help them because there are so many, this is, they're not just like making a skateboard, right? They're making something that has to be regulated, that has to get- And
2: won't kill people.
0: Yes. And has to get, go through Medicare and Medicaid, figure out how to get coded. This is all, all these things I had no idea happened. So-
2: Well, let's hear from Sandy.
0: Yeah. The medical
1: device industry is very different from pharma. It's much more of a process where you're iterating alongside the physicians. The physician input as you're developing that medical device is really critical. The majority of the med tech industry are actually startups that are really trying to develop the right medical devices to solve a particular problem. Just like with any startup company, you need a lot of help. And in the context of doing startups in the medical device space, you know, you're also doing that in a highly regulated industry. Right.
2: So this to me is kind of like a one-on-one for listeners, that there's a difference between therapeutics, which are the drugs you take made by the pharma companies that are uh, molecules invented by the government Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they buy from them, and diagnostics, which are the actual robot things, MRIs, you know, you go to the dentist, they do these bone scans. CT scans, those are diagnostics. But what you're talking about, and what they're talking about, is there's other cool things that you don't know exists, but people kind of invent, but it's hard for them to grow up into adolescence.
0: Yes, and you know, I think it was Paul Yock who really brought this home for me. Um, he is, Dr. Paul Yock, interventional cardiologist, uh, gizmologist, has lots of patents, and started the Biodesign Center at Stanford, with, along with our Sandra Miller. You know he talks about the FDA process, so um, we have a clip of him because he was a person that I just answered- jumped out
2: of a window. By the way, when you said the FDA process,
0: <laughs> well, he answered the question. Paul breaks for
2: me. this down
1: yeah. brilliantly, and Here.
0: he answered the question for me. Okay, why is this important for our listeners? Why do listeners need to hear this podcast?
1: Oh boy! So, so a couple of responses. One is you can't have lived through the pandemic without realizing that the the, the whole healthcare system is seriously in distress, and that's you know several podcasts on its own yeah. to zoom in on the health technology innovators. There is some good news, uh, which is you know eight ten years ago, it would be fair to say that the FDA itself was a major obstacle to innovation, and, and they've gotten better. Their motivation is in the right place. There's still some friction, but the big problem right now is in reimbursement, meaning getting early stage technologies paid for. And, and the way that technologies are paid for in our system, of course, is either from the government through Medicare or Medicaid, or from insurance companies. And in both of those cases, they are very reluctant to pay for new technologies. So if you're a startup company, you have a great new technology that is through the FDA and has proven, it's extremely hard to get an insurance company or to get the government to pay for the next few years to allow your company to stay alive to prove that that, that you know this technology is cost effective. It's a politically invisible, but uh, incredibly toxic part of the system right now. And I wish patients knew more about it, knew more to push on it, because it means that good technologies are not getting into patient care just because of this resistance that's built into the system.
0: That's actually one of the reasons why we wanted to do the show, because we wanted to make patients aware of what was emerging from the med tech field so that they could ask for it and demand it as an option.
2: Let me tell a quick story, because we want to highlight our third host, the three amigos, not the two amigos. But my story, and I literally just had this chat on another show of mine, that there is a uh, brand new diagnostic in the esophageal cancer space. My friend is running this company called Stella. Stella Diagnostics is under the Lucid Diagnostics portfolio. And I had their chief executive, Lishan Aklog on the show to talk about this is one of their portfolio products. It's a biomarker test during the endoscopy that tests for, words I've never used, ready, pre-cancer. Not cancer, pre. It knows that the tissues are at risk for becoming cancer, Unlike a colonoscopy which finds cancer or polyps can be pre-cancer, it knows in the esophagus based on this test during an endoscopy, if you're at risk for cancer so you can change your behavior before you get cancer, it it, it could eliminate esophageal cancer from humanity. I mean, there's nothing's 100%, but it's stuck in what we call market access, which I know we're going to talk about with Craig. With market access is – The shitness cholesterol in the artery of it's a great product, it totally works, the data's there, who's going to pay for it, and how do you get the doctors to know it exists and prescribe it?
0: Yeah, and Craig Allman always kind of keeps us real when he's our third host. And he definitely keeps it real in terms of this has got to be a business. We've got to look at it as a business model. Yeah, it's going to do all these great things, but we have to sustain the business while we're getting it to market.
5: All right, let's hear from Craig. The big filter on all this is that, okay, you can come up with a really clever idea. You can turn it into a physical product. You can do a clinical trial and show, oh, look, this is actually much better than the standard of care.
0: Mm -hmm.
5: And all of that's great and necessary, but it's not sufficient because it still has to be a business. Right. And potential investors still have to see an easy way to make a lot of money, or you're not going to get funded and it's not going to happen. You've got just proving the efficacy, then you've got the whole government Michigas, and then you've got the whole business Michigas, which is right. actually maybe the hardest. Well, he had me a Michigas.
0: <laughs> I knew I you'd like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Again, that's just like the bullshit, you know, cholesterol in the artery that I talked about. I, I would love your reaction to the statement. If every American knew that there was a test that literally averted any chance of getting esophageal cancer but they could never get it, they could never afford it, and it would never make the the bedside of GIs. Would they be really pissed? Yes, but what could they do?
0: Well, it's interesting because- I just,
2: I did give you a whole new episode.
0: No, you know, this (laughs) came up, it came up. And then I asked John, I was like, this is heartbreaking. You're going to tell me that this, and he's like, oh, it happens all the time. And mistakes and failure is part of our- of our learning curve, what that's going to get the innovator to the next level.
3: And sometimes the innovator is so far out in front mm-hmm. that the medical community, doctors, insurance companies, all are playing catch up going, wait, this exists. This sounds like a really great idea. And then it just never comes to fruition. Clinical
0: uh, trials.
3: Finding patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I keep saying, hey, if I know about this particular treatment, I can go to my doctor and they'll take care and they'll go, oh, God, that's really great. We're going to sign you up for that. But that's not it's not that simple. And it
0: should be. And it's why we're doing the show, really. Like we got the the show before we got. (laughs) Um, So and that's what Dr. Paliak was saying, too, is that if, if people know to ask for this, like we have to get let people know that there are things available to them so that they will go out and ask for it. You know, we all have access to information now. So we are partners in our healthcare with our doctors. The doctors won't, might not know about some device, but if somebody comes in and says, hey, there's this new gamma tile for recurrent brain tumors. Can you help me figure this out if this is a good option for me? then You might be educating your doctor or a whole hospital system as well. And so we want people to have that. Information.
2: And there are actually things that patients can do to help sort of uh, lipitor this artery. But we'll talk about that right after these messages from the FDA. No, not the FDA.
3: (laughs) Definitely not the FDA. (laughs) We'll be right back.
6: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you.
3: They're out there by themselves with their idea that can last for years before it comes to a device or a new, a new innovation. Can we play um, John clip four?
4: It's a really peculiar field. You get to go into a needs finding where you follow doctors or nurses or clinicians mm-hmm. around, and you get to ask them why they do things. Yeah, How you get to that is somebody outside of the clinician and outside of the nurse gets invited to the dance and gets Mm. to watch what's going on. And you you say, why do you do that? And then you get to think in your head, there's got to be a better way.
0: So you're constantly, constantly looking for the improvement or some new, less invasive way.
4: Yeah. And there's a lot of the doctors, clinicians and nurses that will say we need a better way. And they may give you an idea like, I wish we had something that did this, Mm. but they can't make it happen. Right. And so the biodesigner then, you know, stays afloat either with funding or however they do with a grant. And they show up six months later and say, hey, remember what we talked about? Take a look at this.
2: It's like a flea market. I mean, people are desperately trying to like sell the teapots and the kettles, but this time they're very valuable Yeah, and they were built by design with intention. But is it, is it their responsibility to know about it? This is what I go back to. Like this whole be advocate, know advocate. Mm-hmm. T- you're in, you're, they're sick people. Mm-hmm. They're potentially dying or they're very ill or they're living with a life threatening illness and they need these tools because they failed. We're going to talk about standard of care, Mm -hmm. which is like, you know, you you go to this car wash and you get the basic wash and it's not really good enough to clean the car. But You want to get the super wash, but you can't afford the super wash or you don't even know they have a super wash.
0: Right, right. Or you misinterpret what standard of care means. Like, people think, oh, well, I'm getting the standard of care. Right. And in terms of this, um, we were talking to Matt Likens from GT Medical, and he was talking about GammaTile, which is this new option for recurrent brain tumors, which there hasn't really been one in a while. And they actually did everything successfully with the FDA, and, like, they are, you know, have got it to market, but then they're launching – 2020 March of 2020. Yes, it was like the beginning of their launch. Great timing, <laughs> good timing. But he not I, even February. No, March, March of
2: 2020.
0: But they're doing well. And um, these tiles, like like they're called tiles, because I kept thinking, wait, like like you tile the brain tumors. the space where they've taken out the brain tumor, they put in these tiny tiles like you dial your bathroom with these radioactive isotopes. I I couldn't even wrap my head around it for a while. But while he's telling us what gamma tiles are, he also talked about standard of care kind of simultaneously. I thought it was really great. So we brought that clip for you as well.
7: When people hear standard of care, this is a pet peeve that I have now, they think, oh, I'm getting the standard of care. It must be the best care possible. That's not the case, okay? And, and to all, newer technologies are very slow to be adopted because you don't have quite enough data yet. Even those that are making such an advancement, like gametile therapy is, is so slow it, when these patient outcomes today are absolutely dismal, especially patients with GBMs.
0: Okay, wait, wait a second, I think this is a really important point, and I just want to make sure that it's clear for our listeners, because what you're saying is that even when something really successful, like Gamma Tile, comes along, it can be very slow to get adopted. So in the meantime, what is being done?
7: Mm-hmm. With today's standard surgery, a day or two in the hospital and you go home, and nothing happens for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks... Those tumor cells are replicating, the residual ones. Yeah,
1: they're going, hey, let's get going again, right? Yeah, these are cancer
7: cells. They're replicating quite rapidly, right? Uh, But that wound, the surgical wound has to heal before the patient can withstand daily external beam radiation. Got it. That goes on from from one to six weeks on a daily basis with the goal of removing the residual tumor cells. So gamma-tile therapy, Let's, let's contrast it. Surgical resection, maximal safe resection, residual tumor cells are left. In the last five minutes of that procedure, radiation oncology comes up to the operating room, delivers the appropriate number of tiles to the neurosurgeon. Neurosurgeon grabs them, wets the tile, and literally tiles the cavity that has been created, the floor and the walls where that tumor was with gamma tiles. Anywhere from three tiles, we've had one procedure with 22 tiles, (laughs) depending upon the size of that cavity, Uh, Uh, and and the patient is surgically closed then, and that's it. Okay. But it goes to work immediately to address the residual tumor cells, and the dose that's created within that cavity is two and a half times the dose that one can achieve from external sources. So highly lethal. Right at the time of surgery with the least amount of tumor burden and one and done. That's it.
1: In this case, lethal is a good, in a good way.
7: It's good. (laughs) Lethal lethal to the tumor.
2: So my take on that (laughs) goes back to, you know, the Clinton cancer era of my diagnoses, because there was a gizmo gadget tech med thing back then called, ready for this, stereotactic radiosurgery. Which at the time was fairly innovative because instead of the standard easy-bake oven where they just burn you to death for like six months straight, they augment that with slightly less whole brain or whole body radiation with – it's hard to explain. It's kind of like it's a small laser. It sounds really terrible that way. But instead of it radiating your whole head, they map your whole body. And then they map the part of your body where the tumor is. In this case, for me, it was my cerebellum. And the the, the laser goes in and it only radiates the tumor
7: mm.
2: based on the three-dimensional map of your, your brain. And then it quickly cools off and leaves your head without disrupting any other – it doesn't harm any tissue around the tumor. So I was part of a trial for stereotactic radiosurgery, which today is now called tomotherapy or, or proton beam therapy. It just it's it's literally like they they make a 3D sculpture of your any body part but for me it was a brain and it just knew exactly only to easy bake oven this part of your brain and not that. The best part is today in every airport souvenir shop there are these 3D printed crystals of families. You see these?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you can take a photo of your family and they 3D print it inside like a crystal. Oh, yeah,
0: I know what you're talking
2: about. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> that is the result on the consumer side of stereotyping <laughs> radio surgery. What I do for you people.
0: <laughs> well, it turned out okay.
2: I'm doing it right. Yeah. I'm doing it right. I'm doing it right. But I'm doing it right.
0: <laughs> That's the
2: stereo effect.
0: <laughs> That's the part of it.
2: So, so, again, this goes back to the idea that it, how. Angry would people get if they knew there was something that they could do? And again, brain cancer. Going back to this, this the tiles here. It's fabulous. It's fantastic. And yes, the data moves so damn slowly. But even if it does move quickly, there's such a, it's an an adoption lethargy mm-hmm. by the medical community because they don't really want to do this. They're happy with this way they think.
0: Yeah, and I think that's part of it too. Is educating. The doctors, like, so that they can want see the value of this and to relearn another way to do something. You know, it's a lot of education, right? But worth it.
2: Well, the gist of all these med tech innovations is cost benefit mm-hmm. too, right? And that's the hardest part. There's a, there's an economic benefit to these costs. If you can avoid more tests, if you can avert seventy five colonoscopies, if you can avert esophageal cancer, think yeah. of how much more money that saves the system. Those patients become productive again. They heal more quickly. They're on their medicine more effectively. I hate the fact that it makes so much goddamn sense.
0: Yeah. And we had um, Dr. Nick Hopkins. He's a We called him the Indiana Jones of stroke. And he said the inertia, you know, like there's just so much inertia, like to get systems to change. Like it just, it takes so long.
2: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about. I see here you, you wrote the, electricity is medicine.
0: <laughs> yes. so is that
2: like don't put your blow dryer in the bathtub or something?
0: <laughs> no, this is a really cool one, actually. This was a company called Cala Health. Again, they invented a gizmo called the Cala Trio. Everything's just been reduced, <laughs> reduced to a gizmo. Yeah. But it's like a smartwatch. Mm-hmm. And so you put it on your wrist and it helps with essential tremor.
3: So Joey, hold on, because we met two amazing women who run uh, Cala Health: uh, Kate Rosenbluth, founder of the uh, Cala Trio, and Renee Ryan, who's the CEO of Cala Health. So a female-run company. It's not a completely male-dominated Fem- field. I'm wearing a femtech t-shirt right now. <laughs> <laughs> Th- these these two women were incredible describing the whole concept of electricity as medicine, and the Cala Trio. Mm Calatrio? Calatrio. Who names these things?
7: (laughs)
6: All right, on to the clip. So our solution is a wristwatch-like form factor. Because no one out there was making neuromodulation watches, we had to develop our own. And so we have a proprietary stimulator that sits at the top of the wrist. And the energy is actually delivered through a, a very comfortable band. But we have silicone electrodes that are... Uh, placed over two nerves at the wrist. There's actually little markers on the band itself so the patient can do this at home on their own. They place the the band over those two nerves and Velcro tighten it, and they can start a, a therapy session. The neat thing about our technology though, and I don't wanna to get too, too far ahead, but we use motion sensors that, that Kate had described and things like Fitbit and Apple Watch to actually read each individual patient's tremor mm-hmm. and personalize our waveform to match their needs. Wow. Okay, great. I just have to do a, a syllable alert because um, mo- a module
0: neuromodulator, stimulator, yeah. neuro, like that's a <laughs> lot of syllables. So I don't want to just throw that out there and assume that everybody knows that what that means. Cause I'm sure you guys say that nine times a day, but for me, I'm like, wait, 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 it just went by me. So we probably say it 90 times a day.
6: <laughs> <laughs> so, so break it down for me. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me jump in on that one. And I'm going to, I'm going to actually start by taking us way back to the ancient Greeks,
7: which is where this idea
6: <laughs> which is where, where this idea of sort of electricity as medicine started. Our nervous system is built to carry electrical signals in the body. And if you go all the way back to the Greeks, the Greeks used electric eels, electric rays. As therapy for many of the areas where today the modern field of neurostimulation is treating. So this is the use of electricity to treat diseases like epilepsy, like depression, to treat severe oh. pain. The, uh, the root of the word narcotic is from narca, which is the Greek word for electric ray.
0: Mm. Amazing. So if
6: you fast forward, then I sort of think of this, this field of neuromodulation that you're asking about really started uh, in sort of the 1950s, 1960s in the area of cardiac pacing. So this is the first sort of major new sort of area of modern medicine where we really understood how you could use electricity as treatment, electricity as therapy for the body.
2: So I'll channel Socrates
6: <laughs> right now,
2: or maybe Hermes. Actually, he was Roman. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just another great example of a great idea that can help lots of people that may never see the light of day, and that's just tragic. what What did you learn from that? As far as these, do they know the hurdles?
0: Yeah, and they they are they they have approval, right?
3: They do have approval.
0: Yeah. well, good for them. them. Yes, and, and that's two good stories and, today. Oh, yeah, exactly. And they um, they know they have great results with the essential tremors, and then their next the big thing is to use it for Parkinson's as well. It's just amazing. The tinkerers. Yeah, they're they incredible.
2: Are. The myth of medtech.
0: Yeah, they're people who don't give up. I mean, we asked yeah. that of Paul Yock when we were talking about standard biodesign, like, who are these people? And he said, they're the people who don't give up. Like, they just right. can't. Until they have a problem solved, they can't stop. And it might take years.
3: Before we stray too far away from, from electricity as medicine, one of our hosts, Craig Ullman, had a brilliant observation about the Finally. whole concept.
5: <laughs> we needed Craig to kind of, like, clear things up clip seven.
0: Craig, as you were listening, what were you thinking about?
5: I was thinking about Frankenstein, actually. Um,
0: (laughs) At that moment, actually, at the same uh, time.
5: Frankenstein was uh, published in uh, about 1818. And if you think about it, that was all about electricity and the excitement over it, the idea that electricity could bring the dead back to life. And That's silly now, but at the time, that was totally sensical, and it was a new technology and a new mystical power, and we could think about life as being electrical. And then that became a little too popular and a little too middle-brow, and that got dropped. Uh, Kate had a wonderful line uh, today about thinking of the body as a bag full of chemicals, but That's a perfectly reasonable cut at looking at life, but that's just one system among many systems that are intertwined that make up the human body or any body's body. And it's great that we're taking something that, or she's taking something, I'm not doing a damn thing, (laughs) but she's taking something that got lost in the focus and bringing it back and saying, oh, look, I could do this really amazing thing. I can affect the brain without actually drilling inside it or giving you chemicals or making some uh, massive compromise of the patient's health, and yet still treat this very strange and very difficult to treat illness. Okay, listeners, I, th- I think you've gotten the gist <laughs> of why we're
2: producing Before We Die and releasing it on the Offscript Health Podcast Network. I want it to be the show that makes you angry. <laughs> it should be the show that pisses you off. Because, yes, we all would like to not die Mm -hmm. and we all like to be helped before we die. Yes. But progress is now a bitch because, you know, we had four drugs in the 1990s and you just lived or died. It was kind of it. And now there's a million things that can actually help you not die or live a better life or just manage a disease. And these solutions may never see the light of day and that should really piss the fuck out of you. Mm -hmm. So before we die... What can we expect for the rest of the season? What What are people gonna? I mean, we, I kind of set the stage. We want everyone to get angry. This is a thing that I can't have, or my mom can't have, or whatever. Talk to us about the. You know, what are the highlights to look forward to?
0: Um, well, one is Sam Mason is doing this incredible. Like he's basically building a rocket ship for late stage cancer, and it's close to FDA approval. It's so we can be angry, but we can also we also want to fuel that by saying this is something that. Can it's like a GPS for cancer using scans? You know, you just got to come into the show for that one because it's finding cancer in real time and getting the radiation right to it in real time. So it looks like a rocket ship, but it's pretty incredible.
2: Do they take TSA pre? <laughs> it's really all I
0: care
3: about. <laughs> Tell us about Dr. DeLuca.
0: Oh, yeah. And then one of my favorites was just um, Dr. Hector DeLuca. So he's like the godfather of vitamin D. And uh, like he's invented var- variations, versions of vitamin D. And it's just one of those things where I was like, oh my God, somebody invented these things. And there was like a time before vitamins. And, and he's 93 years old and he's still going into the lab and he's on the verge. So he spent his lifetime studying vitamin D and now he's on the verge of like next level studying the UVB light as a cure for MS. So he was just wonderful to talk to and so down to earth and
3: Three buildings named after him yes. at the University of Wisconsin.
2: <laughs> you know you deal. made it when you have three
3: <laughs> yeah. buildings. Yes, not one, not one, but three. three, three buildings, and two Nobel Prize nominations. Yeah. So he's he's incredible.
2: Well, I hope that everyone listening has gotten riled up enough to appreciate why we are bringing this show to life and why it belongs here on the Offscript Health Podcast Network. Final thoughts before you wrap.
0: Well, we just have a really great team. And it came out of this idea of like, we have lots of different perspectives that we, the four of us come from. But what often happens in our, production meetings is like we get on these tangents and I'm like guys we gotta, we gotta work focus, but we, focus, we get focus. on these tangents that we go we should have recorded that because they end up being really interesting journeys we had
3: a Seinfeld moment it was like <laughs> they started talking about all these different things and I was off to the side going this is it this is the show
0: <laughs> right, let's do it now <laughs> so we have these segments that are coming out on Thursdays the show's going to come out on Tuesdays and then another segment called Lab Before Slab on Thursdays that are Sandy, John and Craig geeking out about the latest happenings in the tech world and they're completely random fun like a sports
2: center recap for nerds
0: (laughs) (laughs) perfect yes you got it (laughs) you're so good at that
2: (laughs) sum it all up see in the space where my tumor used to be is some kind of broken microchip (laughs) it fires on occasion
6: very creative like a
2: blind squirrel out. finds a nut in the woods
6: on occasion mm.
2: <laughs> alright folks that's our show for today thanks again to my guests Ariel Nachman and Jory Brenneman co-producers of Before We Die we also want to mention the Before We Die panel of experts and co-hosts Sandra Miller John McMahon and Craig Ullman so check out Before We Die from Offscript Health wherever you listen to your podcasts I'm excited for this show I hope you are too thanks for coming in and uh, chilling with me thanks.
0: thanks so much this was fun
2: thank you for having us Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is an Offscript Health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Sarah Rosa Davies. It's mixed and edited by Sarah Rosa Davies and Kyle Moore. Special thanks to Brianna Seeley for added support. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message anytime at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855 audio 66 to share your healthcare shitness with us, and we might just play them on the air on a future episode. For more information about this show and Offscript Health, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no t, dot com.